Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Point Church Virtual Church. Uh, today, if you have your Bibles, hopefully you have your Bibles here at home, uh, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. I actually am going to read the first three verses. And as you're turning there, there, there is a couple of announcements today. Uh, first, uh, during the live service, we're going to pray for uh, two people. And that's Helene who is moving away to the East Coast after her husband, Jay, passed away during, the, during this pandemic. Uh, her, her children are on the East Coast, and so she's going to make her way to the East Coast. And so sadly, this is her last Sunday with us. Um, and also, Naomi Fredericks is going to be driving to Colorado. She has an opportunity, and so she's moving uh, to Colorado tomorrow. So we want to pray for both uh, Naomi and Helene as they uh, relocate away from Valley Center. And so please uh, keep them in your prayers this week as they both are uh, making their way east. Um, I, I believe they both are driving. Uh, today also, um, the, the last four months have been incredibly just difficult for, for everyone uh, there's been a, a weightiness, and uh, for me, um, just in my Christian life, I've I've sort of always leaned into t- to two translations of the Bible: the New American Standard, 1995 edition. Um, there is a new edition coming out next year, which I'm excited about, um, and the NIV 1984 edition. And so. Um, uh, now, just in the weariness of, of everything, I'm gonna. I think I've made the decision that that through uh, the book of First Thessalonians, I'm going to read out of the NIV and teach out of it. Um, in my study, I use all the translations and go to the Greek and 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 so I do think that this week um, I really liked how the NIV handled it, and so just sort of for a little soul care on my part. Uh, sort of a freshness, just a different Bible. I mentioned that in my preaching Bible that I use, I had marked it all up, and so which that kind of complicates things. And so the NIV wide margin Bible that I use on a regular basis, it's not all marked up, and so I'm opting to, to kind of go there for a fresh slate. Okay, let's pray, and we'll look at our passage for today. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for this time that we have uh, to focus on you. Father, I pray for every person that's uh, listening to the sermon and, and this time that you would free them from distractions. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to hear your voice uh, through your word. Uh, we pray that... Um, you would comfort us, that you would encourage us, and that you would challenge us. Lord, during these, these difficult times, we need hope and um, we need uh, motivation for perseverance. And so, Lord, we look to your word for encouragement, and we pray this in Christ's good name. Amen. All right. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. 
we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, we look to you now uh, to guide us, to lead us through this passage. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. Okay, so a, a little bit of a, a review. As we look at the first verse there, we learn the authorship. We see that uh, this letter that we know as First Thessalonians, uh, it's the authored by Paul uh, with Silas and Timothy. The recipient is the, the new-founded church in Thessalonica, which is modern-day Greece. And this was really the, the first um, time that the gospel had made it to Europe. And so it, it, he opens with this, this greeting of, of grace and peace um, to them. A very common introduction from Paul. And, and so last week we learned about sort of the, how this church came to be and the situation. The two words that we brought up last week, can you guys remember? Uh, I don't know if you guys said it, I can't hear you, but it's affliction and, and advent. And so during Paul's three weeks in Thessalonica, he went to the Jews first, and then that went out uh, to the neighboring people, the, the Gentiles. And while he was there, many people responded to the gospel, but at the same time, much affliction came about, and the town sort of came up in this uproar, and and basically they ran Paul and Silas and Timothy out of town. There was a young man, Jason, who we believe is uh, a relative of Paul's. He was He took in Paul and Silas and Timothy as they traveled, and so the town went to him, and, and some sort of bond was made. And so it seems that he made an oath that if, he, if they just let Paul and Silas and Timothy leave, that he would make a vow that Paul would never return to Thessalonica. And so there's this, just this difficulty that, that, that Paul basically, he continues on and he can't get this, this, this newly formed church out of his mind. As you follow the letter of of Acts, or the, the, the document of Acts, the book of Acts, um, by the time he gets a few towns over, and by piecing together what we have in Thessal- the First Thessalonians by the, second, the end of the second chapter, beginning of, of the third chapter, um, it, what we see is that Paul can't shake the memory of this church out of his mind, and so he wants to know. And so it's, it, he sends Timothy back to them. Timothy goes back, he gets a report, he sees what's going on, and then he comes back to Paul, and he reports all to Paul what he's seen, what he's heard, what, 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 how they're thriving in the midst of all of this persecution. And so from that visit, this letter is born. Paul pens this letter to the Thessalonians, and he sends it back again with Timothy to them. It's one of the earliest letters that we have. We don't have the dating, but, but some have suggested that this is as early as six months from the event in, in uh, Acts chapter 17. Uh, there's debate whether Galatians or Thessalonians is the earliest pen book, but it's very, very early. And so as I've been looking at these verses and relating over the last few months, the last few months have been exceptionally tough on everyone. Uh, leading our church uh, through this time has been very difficult. It's 
uh, super easy to get discouraged, uh, frustrated. And, and as I catch up with Paul and I look at this letter, and the reason I wanted to go to this letter is to basically help me with the discouragement, the frustration, sort of the, the weariness of, of leading uh, to find hope. And so in, in the midst of all that Paul's going through and all that happened in Thessalonica, here in this letter, right in these opening verses, um, these, these first three verses, there's so much hope. And we see Paul sort of express some things in, in a very unique way that have been very encouraging to me. And so in verse two, what we see beginning with is, we always thank God for all of you. And in all of Paul's letters in my study this week, I, I don't think I've ever noticed this before, but, it, but one commentator pointed out that in all of Paul's letters, except for one, he starts out with gratitude and his life is sort of marked by thanksgiving. Um, thanksgiving, some have suggested it's the antidote for discouragement. And so we see right away that Paul starts out his letter just with letting them know that he thanks God for them, all of them. Now, don't, don't go thinking that this is like a perfect church. As we, as we work our way through Thessalonians, this is a young uh, group of believers. There's, there's going to be allusions and, and hinting at corrections along the way, sexual purity that they're supposed to be striving for, they're failing at. But he just starts out with gratitude. And I do think that developing this heart of gratitude is so good for our souls, especially during times of fear and frustration, what we find ourselves in today. So in the midst of the coronavirus, in the midst of all that's happening politically, we have an, elections are normally rough years. Throw in a pandemic, throw in sort of race tensions in our nation, there is so much just frustration there. And I think that if we as followers of Christ are intentional about developing hearts of gratitude, it will be very good for us. It can be as simple as starting your day with, with jotting down or just thinking to yourself a handful of things that you're thankful for. And as you do this, it will make you feel better. There was this very verse, if you subscribe to the e-newsletter, that as I headed into this week, uh, frustrated and sort of discouraged by some things, um, Wednesday morning, just thinking upon this text, I started thinking upon our, our body here at Grace Point Church. And as I think about the vast majority of people at our church over the years, I am truly grateful for this body of people who really put their flesh in the game and really uh, give of themselves to, to serve, to help others, to, to pour out for other people. And as I thought about this and just sort of went through our church directory, thinking about people in our body, just thinking of you know recent people who have, who have started coming to our church through the pandemic, God is at work in your lives, and it's super encouraging to me. And, and as I thought about that, I just sent that letter on Wednesday to everybody because I am deeply grateful 
uh, to be the pastor here. I'm, I'm grateful, uh, and Anna's grateful, our family, just in planting our lives here in Valley Center uh, t- to be used by God in this way. And as I think about each one of you and how God is working in your lives, I am just very blessed and grateful. And so I would encourage each of you to, um, to, to make gratitude a pattern of your life. Train yourself to be grateful. It's our whole world, all of the news, all of the media looks for the negative and, and to, to run with that. And it's just discouraging. It's frustrating. There's no hope there. And so I would encourage you to make a habit and develop a just a spirit within you of gratitude like Paul. He continues, and he says, I continually mention you in our prayers. And so from Paul, Silas, and Timothy, really these pastors that that planted this church, we get a glimpse into their pastoral heart and sort of the the priority of of praying for one another. Paul says, "I, I continually mention you in our prayers. Um, this also, with gratitude, we should really commit to praying for one another. Um, I, I think about you all, all the time. Uh, I never, before the ministry, I don't think I understood uh, the weight of shepherding and, and how a shepherd really cares for those in his flock, whether uh, you're, you're present, like this is just generally, like whether you're here or you're absent, if you've been here for a season and then you disappear for a season, uh, the, the weight of those individuals is always on a shepherd's heart. And so I find myself constantly, as Paul writes, praying for you all, thinking about you all, lifting you up uh, to the Lord. And maybe you're thinking like, how, how could I pray for our body or how can I be prayed for? Um, the first thing is be vulnerable, be transparent. Don't don't come to the church and, and feel like you have to uh, put on your Christian best and act like everything's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable. In fact, it's encouraged to be vulnerable. Uh, the things that you're struggling with, let those be known. You know, unfortunately, there's many in the Christian world who hide and try to put up a facade that everything's okay in their worlds when, it, when it's not. And it never results in, in good things happening. And so I would encourage you to share uh, your praises and your needs with us. If you're watching this online, you know, you can, you can comment, you can private message, you can text me, you can text Melanie, you can email us, you can let your prayers be known. I think more than ever during this time of isolation and shutdown for those who have you know, health concerns and, and worries that are legitimate in light of the coronavirus, who are, or who, are, who are isolating themselves, don't stay socially isolated. You can still reach out through, uh, through various avenues. You can pick up your phone. You can call the office. You can call us. Uh, you can call your uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Stay connected. It is so important. I can, I'd encourage you to subscribe to the e-newsletter where we keep in touch with one another. We the, the prayer requests that we receive, we place in there and then we send them out. And so you can be have your prayers prayed for 
And you can look at the list and you can pray through the list of needs and, and things that are going on in our body. I highly encourage you to do that. In addition to that, the Wednesday morning men, we meet at 7 a.m. and we pray. Jim Reeser leads that. And it's a, it's a huge time of encouragement. You know, we have about seven to 10 guys show up and we, uh, you know, we, we, we coke and joke, as we said in the military. We kind of tease each other for about 30 minutes and then we pray for about 30 minutes. And it's a wonderful, wonderful time. And we have the list of, of prayers from the e-newsletter that we work through. Uh, it's wonderful. After the service, there's always uh, prayer between Glenn and Jackie who come forward and they make themselves available to pray with you. And so I would just en- encourage this interaction. You, you, by giving of yourself and your life and interacting with one another, then people get to know you and you're not in isolation. And through that, we actually know one another's needs and our praises and our prayers. And, and this, uh, these are ways that we can do this so that we can continually mention you in our prayers. If you, are, if you hide yourself and you don't open up yourself in a vulnerable way, um, it's hard to do this. And Paul says in verse 3, we remember you before our God and our Father. Um, As Paul expresses his gratitude and his prayers for them, he sees three things. So there's there's three components um, in verse 3 that Paul observes. Now, how did he observe this? Now, remember, I said that uh, Timothy, uh, he, after they got kicked out of town, I think Paul made his way to Athens, and then from Athens, he goes to Corinth. And then when he gets into Corinth, uh, this is where Timothy catches up back with him. He basically gives an update of what's been going on. So Timothy had to be the one uh, to give information about the church and what they, were, what they were doing. And so when Paul says, we remember before our God and Father your, and he's going to list these three things. But before we, before we get to the three things, uh, just think about this. Um, before our God and Father. So right away, Paul, this man who was uh, an elite Jewish man, a Pharisee of Pharisees, he was all credentialed, he didn't like Gentiles, he was opposed to Christianity, and God so transformed his life through his encounter with Jesus that his life's transformed. And now he goes to Greece and he meets these Gentiles who give their lives to Christ. And now he's taking these people who are super baby Christians and he's referring to them like our God, that, that my God that I've known in his childhood, that I've now been connected to in a real way through Jesus Christ, is now your God through Jesus. This is fellowship, koinonia. This is we are united through him. And then he refers to God as Father, which this is intimate. Like, I, I don't know how you think about God. It's very easy to think about God as sort of some inanimate object or ball of energy or just sort of like distant. But the Bible communicates that God is a Father to us, which, um, 
describes a sort of a likeness. Um, you may have a bad example as a father. You might have a good example as a father. Like clearly the Bible uses the, the good example of a father. And so if anything, like I hope that I'm a good father. Like I really love my kids. And so when I look at my children and I see that they bear my image and, and, and looks and personality and the joy that it, that it brings me to see them growing and living their life and walking with them and just, it's, it's wonderful. I love it. And, and from when I talk to the people in our church that are like grandparents, it seems like grandparenting is just a graduation from parenting that's wonderful. And so when he, Paul describes God and he describes God as our father, to know that we have this father in heaven who loves us, that we bear his image, that he's the one who created us and gave us our interests and our giftings, and, and he cares for us as a good father. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. He is active in your life, and he desires to be a part of your life. Now, the things that Paul is going to observe, he, I, I sort of cut verse 3 off, and he says, we remember before our God and, our, and Father, your. Now, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, there's a very well-known verse. You know, it's the love chapter. And in the love chapter, at the very end, it's read at a lot of weddings as sort of like the standard for what's supposed to be within a wedding or in a marriage, and he says, and now these three remained, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so now Paul, as he gets his report back from Timothy, he's going to sort of comment on what he's heard concerning their faith, hope, and love. And he's going to do it in a, just a, a, a very different way. I, I love the way that Paul works through faith, hope, and love, and how it's manifested in their lives. And, and I just, in sort of the contextualizing of the story, I'm trying to imagine Paul. Remember, he's there for a month. He developed these deep, this deep relationship with these, these new believers. He loves them. He wants nothing more than to be a part of their life. And he spends time with them, but he's run out of town, and he can't come back. And so he's just sort of getting reports, and I just imagine his... Uh, frustration of not being able to go see them, his frustration of not being able to do the things like that. We're going to see that he desires to go back, but he can't go back. I, I can see his excitement of, of hearing about what God is doing in their lives. And I see his discouragement at the same time of not being able to, to be there. And yet he's hopeful. And we're complex creatures because our God who created us has created us in this multifaceted way. And so even this week as I'm going through life, like I, I, I relate to Paul, like I see like I have frustration and excitement and discouragement and I'm hopeful. And, and so we have all of these emotions within us. And so Paul is feeling all of these things. And he says, you know, these three things that I heard about you. The first thing, work produced by faith. Now there's two words here. There's work and there's faith. Uh, these these are two words in the Bible that often, or the, and within Christians, like Christianity, that we uh, so often think of being sort of opposed with from with one another, mainly uh, because it's related to salvation. We know in Ephesians two eight and nine. If you have your Bibles, please turn over there. I'm gonna I'll flip over there myself. And so over in Ephesians chapter two verses eight through eight and nine. 
These are very well-known verses. And over in verses 8 and 9, we read, uh, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of you, from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So we know that salvation is a gift of God. It's, it's freely bestowed on us. It's, it's given by grace, received by faith. There's nothing that we can do. And if you're trying to earn your salvation by your good deeds outweighing your bad deeds, it's, it's a losing proposition. It can't be done. The only way to have this relationship with Christ is, is through him, his work on the cross. He died for us so that we might live for him. It was done 100% for us. All of our sins were cast upon him, and he paid for it in full. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And so Paul makes it clear in verses 8 through 9 that you can't work for it, you can't earn it, you can't do anything. But verse 10 often is so overlooked, he goes on to say, for we are God's workmanship, this word poema, it's literally the word that we get poem from, that you're God's masterpiece, and that you're like a poem, and he's created you for a a purpose. Like your father has created you, you've come from him, you have your personality, your likes, your dislikes, your gifting, all of these things bound up in you. And he's created that you for a purpose. Look at this. He says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you are created to serve. The Christian life isn't about being served. It's about giving of ourselves. Just like Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so now when we come back to our passage, Work produced by faith. Now, faith is not the the driving word here. The the main word in this is work. Uh, So he has observed their work that's being driven, sort of the, the driving force behind the work is faith which is just, this is like one of, I often refer to there's things in the Bible that are sort of like beef jerky. They're theological beef jerky. They're things for us to chew upon. And so faith often produces works. This is the whole book of James. And so then the question like, what, what work is, is produced by faith? So 13 years ago, my family and I felt God's leading to come to Valley Center, to come to what at the time the name of the church was uh, Valley Baptist Church, which we're now Grace Point Church. We've, we've changed our name. Um, but I, I stand in a building that I, that I didn't pay for. Like I contributed some towards the very end. We paid off our building and the land in 2012. We're, we're debt-free, praise the Lord. But the land that we own... Our church has a 70-plus year history in Valley Center, and there are people that came long before me and you who, who by faith, contributed and worked and built this, like literally built the building that I stand in today. Um, I was here many years ago, like not well, many years ago for me, but er- early on in the restarting process, there were a group of people who then built the patio it used to just be dirt out there. There was no shade structure. Some of you were around when we did this, but it took financing, not, fi- not literal financing, but people to give of money to pay for it. It took gifts and talents of people to, to labor, to put it together. And we thought, well, we want to have this out here to have a nice area for fellowship and things. Who knew that 
in 2020, we would be restricted from having church inside of the building and that we would use the, that, that concrete patio and the shade structure and the whole playground, that whole beautiful section that we have that was all done with a lot of hard work by faith for something that we, we didn't know what it would be used for. And here we are last Sunday using it as an outdoor service and we'll be using it today as an outdoor service. Like all because of work that was propelled by faith. It's beautiful. Again, I am so deeply grateful for our church, our body of believers, the, the assembly. The last few months have been so stressful for all of it, for all of us. But in the midst of this, I have been overwhelmed with the, the, the common question I have heard from all of you, whether you've been at our church, if you part of our, our congregation for three weeks or for 15 years. The question I hear most from people is, how can I serve? How can I help? I know that everything's changing from week to week. What can I do so that we can make this happen? It's beautiful. It's people saying that I want to work. It's through my faith that I want to give of myself. And it's, it's wonderful. Then he goes on to say, number two, your labor prompted by love. Now, the two words that we're going to observe here are labor and love. Love is not the main word. This word agape, this, 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 uh, the word for love is not a feeling. It's a, it's, a, it's a decision. It's sort of a commitment. It's about what's better for the other. But the main word is labor. And work and labor are very uh, similar in, in meaning. But this word labor is a much stronger word. It's, it's, a, it's a word that means like hard labor. I think most of us during the lockdown have had sort of honeydew projects around the house. Like, and so I, I'm, 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 I'm no different. I, we had a section of a little greenhouse next to our shed, and there was, it was like, but it wasn't usable. And so it's like, okay, our project is we got to tear out this, these, these, this fence and these little, you know, round steel things, and they're all sunk in, sunk in concrete. And so when I see the word labor, I think about pulling out these fence posts of just, you know, with the pickaxe, hammering away, like just brute strength to get this stupid things out of the ground. Painful. My, I still have the blisters, which is kind of nice from it. And so love, when I look at this, when I look at how Paul, work produced by faith. So faith isn't just sitting around in lawn chairs eating grapes and iced tea with people fanning you. Like he sees faith, like work that's produced by faith. Now, labor prompted by love. That love isn't some touchy-feely thing. In fact, real love is much deeper than a feeling. This is a commitment. I think of a mother, the, the labor that she goes and pouring out her life for her children. So what is work that's prompted by love? In our context, what I've been thinking about, I, Melanie's been doing a ton of work over the last four months. I don't know if you know how hard it is to call basically 100 people just about every week or text, call, email, checking in. 
Melanie has been working in extraordinary ways, working because we love you. Think of these video sermons. This, this isn't easy. This is work. My motivation for doing this is love because I care about those that have underlying health issues and they, they can't make it to worship with us live. And so I'm propelled by love to work and to break my back to make sure that we as a congregation are ministering and caring for you as best we can. There are people within our body during this time that have had surgeries and recovering and I haven't, like, that I haven't been the one doing it, but that, that people are out there through helping hands and providing meals and, and tangible needs for people in our church that are going through things, checking in on one another. Um, the, the, this is Christianity. Labor that's propelled by love. You know, the, in, in recent weeks, you know, Judge Roberts, the Supreme Court Justice, I don't want to get into politics, but one... But I, what, I, what I know about Judge Roberts is, so he's appointed by President Bush, so he's supposed to be conservative, but he kind of, you know, you just never know which way he's going to go. And so I think he tends to make both sides happy at times and both sides upset at times. And, and one of the quotes during one of the recent rulings, I forget which one it was, the Supreme Court has been busy in the last few weeks. And one of the comments that he said was, you know, hey, I'm, my job is just to call balls and strikes. And unfortunately, I feel like that's what a lot of Christianity has become, that, that people come to a church and they say, well, what can this church do for me? If I give anything, I just want to see, can they provide children's ministry? Can they do this for me? Can they do that for me? There's the laundry list of, 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 of demands is, is long from people in, a, in the American church. But in the Bible, the church is the people, and it's more about what has God gifted you with, and it's like, I, God has gifted me. How can I serve? How can I contribute? And I love that we see that within our body. I do across the United States with the coronavirus, probably around the world, but, but for sure in the United States, I believe that there's this winnowing of the church right now to where the whole paradigm of what church is is it something that you go and you like a movie or is it that, that I'm me, I'm a part of the church, it has nothing to do with this body, Th- this, this building, my body is the church, a part of the church and here we are reading the Bible and how are we supposed to live our lives? What are we supposed to do? What are the demands? Not from Caesar, but from our Lord. And so I think that there's this refining happening within the church. As painful as it is, I think it's going to be a beautiful thing that when we look down the road a year, two, five years, some churches are going to go one way, other churches are going to go another way, and I want our church to be the church that goes the way of the Lord regardless of the price, that we would stand strong in following after our Lord and Creator. We don't want to be a church that just calls balls and strikes, being the the Monday morning quarterback for what our church did wrong. But we want to be the group of believers that says, how can I help? How can I participate? How can I labor in this endeavor that God has called us to? Then the final point, I've been laughing at this all week because, man, it's how I feel. It's how a lot of us feel. And he says, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the words that we're observing 
now in this third one are endurance and hope. So love, faith, and hope. But in each one, he kind of connects them in a different, with a different word. And sort of the main word here is endurance. Could be translated long-suffering, patience. Um, J.B. Phillips in his translation, this is how he translates this. as sort of a, a paraphrase, but I like it. It's, he says, and the hope that you have in our Lord Jesus Christ means sheer dogged endurance in the life you live before God, the Father of us all. Now, the key words that we've said over and over again in, in, in 1 Thessalonians, I should probably turn back there, is affliction and advent. Our life in Christ is going to be filled with affliction. Our hope is in Christ returning or our going to him. How often do we hear people say, how are you doing? I'm okay. Oh, I'm blessed. Or you fill in with whatever. But what Paul says, what he's observed as he's praying and he heard about them, he's, he's heard about their works by faith, they're laboring in love, and they're enduring in hope. How are you doing, Gunnar? I'm enduring. I'm long-suffering right now. It's sheer dogged endurance right now, but I'm pressing on because I have hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is powerful. As affliction, as worries, we got the coronavirus, we have elections, we have what's California doing? And and all of this, we have the school's problems. What's, what are we going to do in the fall? Our family homeschool, so it's not really an inconvenience for us, but we're in the minority. The vast majority of people in California are not set up to homeschool. The vast majority of people in our, in our state and our nation have, have, have so lived in a way that the, the two, two, fine, two, two streams of income are needed. And so there's some discouragement. But when we look to the church in Thessalonica that had all sorts of afflictions and all sorts of problems and persecution from their countrymen, Paul says, when I look at you, you have endurance. You have perseverance. You have long-suffering. And this long-suffering is driven by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ because he's our only hope. This world is falling apart in our midst. And I'm, things will probably recover. Things will, like, the one thing I know that's unchanging is our Lord. And so as hard as it is in times, as, as, as easy it is to look at all the problems that it is courage, I have to remind myself, no, I need to be hopeful. I need to persevere. I planted my life here in Valley Center, and I planted my life here at Grace Point Church, and regardless of the affliction, regardless of the things that come away, I'm going to keep my eyes on Christ, and I'm going to continue, and I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to serve Him. In the midst of these afflictions, we look to the coming Christ. Let's be encouraged to keep our eyes on Jesus and to seek Him through being grateful that our hearts would be filled with gratitude, that as we look around at all the things that we can be worried about, that we would give thanks. That we would be 
committed to praying for one another, that we would be committed to be praying for our leaders who need Jesus, that we would give of ourselves and that our works would be propelled by faith, that we would labor for the sake of the gospel and love, that we would continue to serve, that we would endure in hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And in him, there is hope. And I don't know if you know him as your savior, but that's his offer. the, the, The Bible makes it clear. Jesus came to this earth in his first advent to live the perfect life as a suffering servant, to ultimately go to the cross so that the weight of the of the world's sins would be placed upon him and the wrath of the Father would come upon him and that he was killed, he was buried, and then he rose on the third day. And the gospel is, is simply that, saying, you know what, God has offered this to you as a gift. If you would like to receive the gift of salvation, you believe in him, you place your trust in him. It's not by your works, it's by his work that he did for you. For those of us who receive this gift, in that we have everything to be grateful for. If nothing else, you can be grateful for the cross. Through the cross, we have faith to know that he is coming back again. And so we work, we serve, we labor out of love, out of faith, enduring until the day when he comes again or we go to be with him. And so I love you all. Please stay connected with us. I'm praying for you. We're all praying for each other. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that you would help us, Lord, to be a grateful people, a people that are committed to walking with you faithfully, that we would um, have grateful hearts, that we would commit to praying for one another, that we would be transparent ourselves of sharing of our prayer requests and needs. Father, that we would uh, just live with faith, hope, and love being at the center of our lives. We love you. We praise you. And we ask this in Christ's good name. Amen.